All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this Palm Sunday special. I want to talk to you today on the benefits of praise. And uh, my Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 21, and we'll look at those uh, first 17 verses. As they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers, the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. You have never read, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. And they left them and went out to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. May God add his blessing to this precious word today. Obviously, it's appropriate that we talk about the benefits of praise, seeing that this is Palm Sunday. I want to begin by sharing something about how praise is contagious among genuine believers. I mean, religious people, as we just read, had a hard time accepting it, as was uh, the case when Jesus rode in Jerusalem. The disciples joyfully and with much volume praised the Lord. The religious leaders, uh, they said, stop. What's all this frivolity? Too much levity. Too much irreverence. Too much emotion. The religious leaders couldn't even raise a hallelujah. Maybe to talk on such a subject may seem out of place with this pandemic that's hitting our world and affecting so many lives. However, there is power in praise there is coping power in praise. There is surviving power 
when we praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are praising God not for the collapse of the money and economic situation. We are not praising God because of businesses being lost and people losing their work. We are praising God for who he is and that he is still in control and uh, who uh, we are expressing the goodness of God and the grace of God when we offer praise in his name. It's interesting that when we look at the Lord's Prayer, when it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowing God's name, what, what does it mean? It means that we are setting God apart in our hearts to be praised and adored, ascribing worth to God. Every time we think of what God has done and what he has given us in Jesus Christ, we should lose ourselves and our hearts should leap for joy. I want to digress a little here and mention something about worship. Worship isn't just singing songs and hymns and choruses. Worship is how we live. It's how we walk. It's how we talk. It's our lifestyle. I've often <laughs> said to people, I don't mind how high you go in your worship of God as long as when your feet hit the ground, you walk straight for heaven's sake. Walking in the light as he is in the light is worship. First Chronicles 16 says, We are to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Daily surrendering to Jesus is also our worship. Um, giving God the glory is our worship. It's not just singing a song, it's more than a song in our worship of God. It's our heart's condition. That's the key that determines and confirms our worship. In Romans 12, 1, it talks about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. That is an act of worship. Not just 90 minutes of Sunday, of a Sunday when we come to worship God. It's not just sitting in a pew for 90 minutes. That's not worship. An act of worship is presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. We are giving to God the honour and the glory that is due to him. And by so doing, we are hallowing his name, ascribing worth to his name. Remember, you and I are not the audience when we come to worship God or when we come into a worship service. We're not the audience. God is the audience. And we give to God what is rightfully his. I've always been taught uh, as a youngster, Palm Sunday is a day of worship and praise and expressing joy regarding the triumphal entry of Jesus as families shouted hosannas to the king. Even the children were there expressing their delight and gladness seeing Jesus come about. And I want to use this reading today as a foundation as to why we need to experience joy in our hearts and why we need to express that in our worship of God. 
I love the thought that uh, Jesus loved the praises of the people and the children. He knew that uh, a week later that some of them would be crying out, crucify him, crucify him. But he enjoyed the praises at that time. God enjoys our praises now. You might think that uh, you won't be able to keep that standard up or that attitude up or I'll be able to continue that next week. But my encouragement to you today is to do it today. Do it now. None of us know what tomorrow may bring forth. Not to worry about whether I'm able to keep it up tomorrow. We are to, if God speaks to our heart, we express that love and our gratitude to him. And so first... um, Let me give you three things that happen when we hallow God's name. First of all, we are revering or celebrating who he is. Now, there are many names for God in the Old Testament. He didn't specify which of the names that should be hallowed. But just to honour the one who stands behind all the names and that at his name, Every knee will bow and every tongue will have to confess one day that Jesus is Lord. In the Old Testament, it uses eight different names for God. In fact, uh, we learn much about God from his names in the Bible. And as we go through them, we honour the one behind the names. Now, let me briefly give uh, them to you, uh, the Hebrew names. Now, I know that Neil Grady last year uh, gave us a message on the Lord's Prayer and these Old Testament names, but I want to use it again just as pass by passing, just to remind you, and that these names really show that he meets all of our needs. The first one is Yahweh, Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. There's Yahweh, Mekidesh, the Lord who sanctifies, the Lord who sets us apart. Yahweh, Shalom, the Lord who is our peace. Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there. He never leaves. That's our need for relationships. Yahweh uh, Rophe, the Lord who heals, who restores our soul. Is anyone needing a special touch from God today? Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who provides for our every need. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, our banner, my banner gives me courage. And Yahweh, Rabbi, the Lord who is my shepherd, my need for protection. Now, if we just took one of those names every day and honoured it, uh, in other words, these names would be, we would be hallowing those names. We would develop a better understanding of who God is. For example, if I have a sin problem, I need Yahweh said can you, the Lord who is my righteousness, who will forgive me and who makes me righteous. If I have an anxiety problem, I need to focus on Yahweh Shalom, who is my peace, who gives me stability in my life. Now as wonderful and as uplifting as these names are, the greatest revelation of himself was the gift of his son Jesus. Hebrews 
1 uh, verses 1 to 3 talks about that. I'll just read one of the verses. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things <coughs> by the, his powerful word. Now in the New Testament, there are a number of descriptive names for Jesus, such as the bread of life, the living water, the way, the truth and the life, the vine, the resurrection and the life, the alpha and the omega, the lamb of God. And we could go on and talk about these descriptive names in the New Testament. So when we revere the names of God and of Jesus, we don't just memorise a list, we actually get a picture of who Jesus is. And when we praise and uplift that part of God's name and nature, that means much to us at that uh, particular moment. We hallow his name and we grow in our appreciation of his character. The second thing is we hallow his name by relinquishing control of our lives. Now the psalmist prayed in uh, chapter 19 verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord my rock and my redeemer. That's what it means to hallow God's name. It's one thing to praise and worship the all-powerful God of the universe. It's another thing to do what he says. And only by the Holy Spirit's power can we relinquish control to God and allow him to live his life through us. Then the Father is glorified. He gives us the power to live for him and to say no to the world and say yes to him. And the third thought is we hallow his name by recognising his presence in our lives. When we are constantly aware of the presence of God and when we live every moment in the light of the fact that he is our God, we actually hallow his name. God always wants us to acknowledge him as our Father in heaven and then to spend time in worship and praise and being in his presence. Folks, I cannot tell you. Well, I will tell you of the blessings it was this time 12 months ago, last year, up in our Gympie Church. The best two months I've ever had, I think, in my ministry. And it was around Easter time. It was on Good Friday service. There was a sense of God's presence there that um, I'll never forget. It wasn't conjured up. It wasn't manipulated. It was just the presence of God came down. It was during a communion time and we sang uh, a song. Well, we didn't actually sing the song. The musician asked if I knew it during the week and I said, oh, I did. It's from Alexander's hymn book called They Are Nailed to the Cross. And I said, if you're going to play it, you better have the words on the screen. So no one in the congregation of 170 or so would, would know the song. So we had the words on the screen and she played it and people came forward for communion. People took the bread and the cup and we had three crosses around the front. And as she played, they are nailed to the cross, oh how much she was willing to bear. With great anguish and loss, Jesus went to the cross and he carried my sin with him there. 
And I stood on the side as about 100 plus people were at the front around the cross. I said, you can take the communion and stay out here and then go back when you're ready. But a lot of them stayed out the front and their mouths were moving. And I thought, what is this? I thought this was a conservative church and I thought I'd better go and join them. The presence of God came down. We were to go out for morning tea and have hot cross buns, but I said to the congregation, I said, folks, this is the last thing we need. We're in God's presence. We need to bathe in his presence, stay in his presence. And we say words to God in his presence that when his presence is so real that we probably wouldn't say any other time. The hearts are tender. What a special moment that was. Being in his presence, hallowing his name. And when we hallow his name, we are achieving for ourselves seven amazing benefits of praise. Here we go. Number one, worship raises our appreciation and love for God. Did you know that by speaking words of praise, even when we don't feel like it, that those words begin to explode within us so that we see God more clearly clearly, and it lifts our spirits and, and, and the breakthroughs can come about. Miracles can happen when we're in that presence of God and, the, and it raises our appreciation and love for God. I wonder how many here today have come with a right attitude to praise and worship God with joy in your heart. Psychologists say that cognitive behavioural th therapy um, or they use that to correct our negative thinking. They teach us how to think right about ourselves and others. And the principle is this, that if you think right, your feelings will also reflect that attitude and your emotions will be under control. In fact, I, I believe it's a biblical principle. In Philippians 4.8, we know that whatsoever things are good and right and pure and wholesome, anything worthy of praise, think on those things. Think on those things. The six o'clock news doesn't even qualify now. There's nothing praiseworthy and worshipful in the six o'clock news, let me tell you. But Philippians 4.8 talks about whatever things are good and wholesome and pure and lovely and have a good report, think on those things. We get the same thought when Jesus uh, in Matthew 9 saw the crowds. Jesus went, he saw and he felt and he had compassion. Jesus, in other words, did what was right and then the feelings came later. The Bible also talks about the sacrifice of praise. Praising when circumstances aren't favourable for praising. We're to do it anyway and then the feelings come. But if you wait for the feelings to come first before you do what is right, you'll constantly be defeated. It's true, count your blessings and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Joy will come, thankfulness will come and you'll always reap what you sow. The second thought here, 
Worship expands our vision. Now, I'm not talking only about uh, Sunday morning. I'm talking about our time alone with God. Whenever we talk or take the time to reflect on the glory and the majesty of God, our perspective shifts. Suddenly we begin to see things that we've never seen before. Everything changes when God is in the picture. Our perspective changes, just like when Isaiah went into the temple after his good friend, the king, Uzziah, died. He went into the temple, grieved, lost, wondering what was going to happen. And when he went into the temple, he he had a vision of the holiness of God. And then he had a vision of the hellishness of his own soul. And then he had a vision of the hopelessness of the people. He saw the Lord. He saw himself. And he saw others. He had a vision of height. He had a vision of depth. And then he had a vision of breadth. Thirdly, worship dispels our fears. When we get into the worship and praise, you soon forget those things that eat away at you. You begin to realise that you are a child of God and that I am in his hands and that he hides my soul in the cleft of his rock and he hides my life in the depths of his love and he covers me there with his hand. God becomes our focus and fears lose their hold over us. Worship dispels our fears. Number four, worship energises our work. I wonder how many of us get weighed down with work and we run out of energy. But when I put God first, God takes care of me and energises me to do what really needs to be done. I remember Andrew Murray, that great prayer of many years back, wrote about having so much to do one day that he had to spend an extra hour in prayer in order to cope with the extra work. And we worship God by putting him first. Our work gets done better and with less stress. I've seen it in worship services, folks, and uh, things that we go through and we struggle over. We need to understand that worshipping of God energises us in our preparations time and in our work time. Let me declare to you, number five, worship refreshes our spirit. I wonder how many times do we go to bed with the problems on our mind and you wake up <laughs> with tiredness and heaviness. And sometimes we don't even know why we're feeling a little down and why we're discouraged and why we're depressed. But when you get into the presence of God, and you begin to worship, whether it's through a Bible reading, whether it's through a a CD or Christian music or whatever, you can feel your spirit beginning to break free and the spirit of heaviness is exchanged for a garment of praise. I would suggest even in these days, it'd be good to play some Christian music while you're going about your duties in home. Worship refreshes your spirit. 
I'd like to suggest number six, that worship exhausts the enemy. Now, Satan trembles when he sees God's children on their knees. He, He doesn't like praise. And it makes him uncomfortable. What, wouldn't you like to see Satan worn out by your prayers and by your praise? Worship and praise is a great weapon for spiritual warfare. It's a powerful way to combat Satan. I've seen it in worship services, folks, where there is a heaviness. And there are times when you feel like that you want to stop what we're doing. And ask God to break in on us rather than try to go through the motions and do everything that's on that idiot sheet. Our services need to come alive, but when we sense, there are times when we sense a heaviness and we've got to be um, brave enough to break it and stop it and ask God to break through on us and ask people to pray. It's one of the ways in gaining the victory is in song and in prayer. Number seven, worship prepares us for heaven. This is the last one. Now we have to understand, folks, that that's what we'll be doing in heaven. We better get used to it, worshipping God and praising God. Do you say, God, help me to worship you, help me to live in your presence here, so that when the time comes for me to change venues, it won't be a major transition. I uh, love the reading in Revelation chapter 5 and verses 11 to 14 as we close. This is part of John's uh, vision. He says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They circled encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice, They sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God for his word today. I just uh, came across a little article. Uh, The former Catholic priest named uh, Brennan Manning received a phone call one day from someone who he had never met asking if he would go to hospital to visit a dying man. So he went. The man lay in bed. A chair pulled up next to him. I'm going, to die. I'm going to die, he said. I know that. But before I do, I've got to ask you a question, sir. Some years ago, I was struggling with my prayer life and someone told me that it would help me a lot if I could remember that prayer is a conversation, an intimate conversation with God. And they suggested that I set a chair out where I pray and imagined that I was having a conversation with the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus was in that chair. And I've been doing that. 
Sometimes he said, Manning, I pray for over an hour, remembering that Jesus is there. <laughs> then he said to Manning, is that okay? Is that all right to do that? Father Manning told him, it's not only all right, but I think it delights the heart of God that your prayer is an intimate conversation with him. A few days later, Manning got a call from the daughter of the man saying that her father had died and they found his body in a strange position. And when they walked into the hospital room, his head was leaning on a chair by his bed. Worship, huh? Worship. And I guess that man came to understand what the Lord's Prayer is all about. Hallowing his name. Honouring his name. Bathing in his presence. What an example for us to follow. Let's pray, shall we? So our Heavenly Father, you know, as humans, we struggle to lift our hearts in praise and thanksgiving to you. It's all right when things are going well. And we might give a few thoughts toward you and thank you, but in regards of this sacrifice of praise, we don't find that easy. Help us to know, Lord, that in praising you, there is a break, it breaks through into our spirit, into our heart. And even for those who despitefully use us and the people that we struggle with and the people who hurt us, even to pray a blessing on those people is a definite act of worship. And Lord, I've found when I do that, my attitude to the people I pray for changes, even though what they've said and what they've done. And our opportunity to want to get even and show them a lesson we find, Lord, that doesn't work. That when we bring them before you, Lord, and ask for your blessing on that person. We're honouring your name. We're worshipping you. And healing can take place. So, Lord, I pray for everyone who's listening today. We'll respond to your voice. And that we will acknowledge you that you are worthy of our praise. In the precious name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Amen.